Well, God bless you guys, and good morning. Welcome to Swerve Church, everybody. Hope everybody's having a great start to the morning. Just want to welcome you. If you don't know who I am, my name is Danny, uh, the pastor here at the church. I'm so glad you decided to join us this morning as we continue our way through the book of Jonah. Uh, now, Burial shared his fishing story last week, so I felt like, you know, I had no option but to share mine. Uh, so I thought I'd share it with you guys, and uh, I think this will really help you guys just see how much of city boys we really are. You know, we're just, we're just not used to like this fishing and all this stuff. I recently went fishing earlier this summer, actually with a couple of brothers from the church right here. Ezekiel and Anibal came with me and we were on a boat that was specifically chartered um, for this trip. It was a lot of fun. Uh, they were going to take us into the Atlantic to do a little bit of fishing. And it was great. They had all this food for us to eat. Like they had these great big old sandwiches. You remember that, Aniva? These great sandwiches. They had uh, the coffee and soda and water and, and uh, the biggest, softest, chewiest chocolate chip cookies you've ever seen. It was so good. So it was all this food. And don't worry, we, we didn't blow chunks on a little girl's, you know, flip-flop feet, you know, <laughs> unlike somebody else I know. We didn't do that. But we were out catching fluke. Fluke was the name of uh, the fish that they were catching. And, man, guys were catching fish left and right. In fact, Anibal caught a big one. He was able to bring it home, and I think he ate it for dinner that night. He didn't share any, but he, he ate it, and he had a good time. And so I was, I was out there uh, fishing, and I didn't catch anything. But all of a sudden, this happened. I thought I'll show it to you guys. Why don't you guys check it out on the screen here? Thank you, thank you, yes, thank you. <laughs> As you guys can obviously tell, I was in way over my head, right? Like, I just didn't know what I was doing. And actually, as we continue working our way through the book of Jonah, that's exactly where Jonah is right now. He's in way over his head. In fact, he's so way in over his head, he's clinging to his life. If you guys remember, God gives him an assignment, right? He, he, he gives uh, Jonah an assignment to go and to preach um, a message to the Ninevites. And of course, he disobeys God and he runs the exact opposite direction, the absolute furthest that he could. And while he's on this boat trying to run away from God, a storm arises and Jonah makes the claim to the sailors and the captain that the only way to stop this storm from killing everybody is by throwing him off the boat into the ocean. And so the captain and the sailors, unfortunately, they do so reluctantly. They didn't want to. But they do so reluctantly. And this is where we find Jonah. He is drowning. He's grasping, he's gasping for air. And then the Bible says that God appoints a great fish to swallow him. And here's what it says in verse 
5. Jonah chapter 2, verse 5, if you have your Bibles, is also in your message notes, um, or if you have your Bible apps, you can scroll on your phone and look it up there. In Jonah chapter 2, verse 5, here's what it says. It says this, The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Here's where Jonah is. He's up to his neck. In water. He's trying to stay alive. The seaweed is literally wrapping around his neck, probably cutting off even more oxygen into his lungs as he's trying to grasp for air and trying to stay alive. You know, as I read this verse, the question comes to my mind. Have you ever been up to your neck? Have you ever felt like Jonah? Maybe not literally drowning, but maybe drowning in your sorrows. Maybe drowning in your hardship. Maybe drowning in your life's circumstances and situations. Have you ever been up to your neck? You might be up to your neck in stress. The workload never seems to stop or your boss keeps writing you and and giving you more and more work and, and and she or he is getting on your back about your performance. Your supervisor walks around like they got their underwear three sizes too small and are always sour and in a nasty mood. Maybe you're up to your neck in anxiety, worrying about tomorrow. You're overwhelmed by two words. What? If, what if I get laid off? What if I can't make ends meet at the end of the month? What if I don't get called back from that job interview? What if I can't get my life figured out? Maybe you're up to your neck in relational strife. There's constant bickering and arguing between you and your spouse or you and your kids or you and your neighbor that doesn't pick up after the dog and you just step in the pool for the umpteenth time. You know, you have some sort of relational strife. Maybe that's just me. Jonah is up to his neck, and he's literally fearing for his life. Look at what it says in verse 6. It says this, I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gate shut behind me forever. You guys see, everything seems to be coming to an end for Jonah. He's preparing for the worst. And what's the worst? That his life is coming to an end. He sees the light at the end of the tunnel. He's about to meet his maker. And, and you may feel the same way this morning. You may feel like you're at the end of your rope. You may feel like there's no way out. You may feel like there's no solution to your problem. And maybe you've even lost all hope. But I want you to look at what the second part of verse 6 says. Because I think there's some hope for us this morning. If you feel that way, if you find yourself there in that situation, look at the second part of verse 6. He said, I sang to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gate shut behind me forever. And then Lord says, look, then you raised my life from the pit. Lord, my God. Then you raised my life from the pit. Lord, my God. And that's what some of you need to hear this morning. Number one in your notes. If you like to take notes, we have some fill in the blanks. Is this. God raises dead things to life. God raises dead things to life. You see, just when Jonah thought all hope was lost and he was ready to breathe his last breath, he is rescued by God. You see, God is in the business of bringing dead things to life. Jonah experiences nothing short of a miracle. And God rescues him and raises him from the pit. You see, guys, Jonah was moments away from expiring. But God in his grace raises him to life. God makes provision for him to live. And guys, this is nothing short of a miracle. 
Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Some of you might just might question how God could possibly have sustained Jonah within a fish. How could he be given Jonah life within a fish? Well, listen, guys, God is creator, God is sustainer, God is author, he is omnipotent, he is all-powerful. And while we may have difficulty understanding this, it was nothing short of a miracle. And this is why we call it a miracle, and we don't call it Tuesday, right? Because Tuesdays come around once a week, miracles are miracles, they happen once in a blue. And this is exactly what some of you need to experience right now in your lives. Right now, you need a miracle from God in your present situation. So if you feel like all hope is lost, do you feel like that? Then perhaps you are perfectly positioned for a miracle. And now listen, the miracle may not be that everything is magically solved. I know that's what some of you want. You want like a magical solution to all your problems. That might not be. But the miracle is that maybe you have a change of heart. The miracle might be that you experience a supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding in the middle of that situation or that circumstance. It may be, the miracle may be that God gives you patience or that He gives you strength or that He gives you courage to deal with the current situation that you're in. But guys, that is nothing short of a miracle. Here's the second thing that we see in today's passage. Number two in your notes is this. If you're up to your neck and if you're at the end of your rope, number two, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. Look at what verse 7 says. Verse 7 says this. As my life was fading away, what did he do? I what? I remember the Lord. And my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Would you guys just circle, underline, or draw a star or whatever, highlight, right where it says, I remembered the Lord. Guys, look at all that it took for Jonah to finally come to this moment. Look at all that it took for him to finally say, all right, God, now I remember you. He went through the spiritual decline. He ran away from God. He got on a boat. He went the furthest he absolutely could in the, in the known world to run away from what God called him to do. And now he's thrown off a boat. He's drowning. He's about to die. Swallowed by a fish. And now he remembers the Lord. And if we're honest, we are so quick to forget the Lord, aren't we? We are so quick to forget the Lord as well. Especially during experiences like the one that Jonah's going through currently. It's so easy to forget God in our hardships and in our rebellion. Think about it. So often the temptation is to forget the Lord when you're going through a particularly difficult season in your life. Sometimes all that we're going through can become so overwhelming and all-encompassing that we neglect our relationship and our connection with God. And you could be going through a difficult season of life right now, and one of the first things that goes is like... Forget God, forget community, forget the Bible, forget prayer. Just forget God. Because I'm going through a tough time and I'm going through a difficult situation. You know, likewise, if you're experiencing a spiritual decline the way Jonah was, then the last thing on your mind is to pursue God. The last thing on your mind is certainly not to pray or to read God's word or to gather in community. Can you relate? Have you been there? Maybe you're there now. So what are some ways? What are some ways that we can remember the Lord? If you find yourself in a season where you've forgotten or you've neglected the Lord, how can you get back on track? How can you get back on track? How can you remember the Lord? Well, look at verse 7. Look at that. Right there, this, the, the last part of that verse. He says, I remember the Lord and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. So what was Jonah doing? What was he doing right now? He is praying. That's the next fill in the blank in your notes is that's to pray. 
How do we remember the Lord? We pray. What a great way to remember the Lord. And guys, this is often the last thing that's on our minds when we're going through those seasons of hardship, when we're going through those seasons of rebellion, when we're going through spiritual scarcity. But you can take a moment to pray. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. It's talking with God. And guess what? When you talk to Him, He listens. And that's why Jonah says, My prayer came to you, your holy temple. In the Old Testament, the temple was representative or synonymous of the very presence of God. Your words leave your mouth. They travel up to the heavens and into God's ears and into His presence. He hears your prayers. Now guys, trust me. I know. I know exactly how difficult it is to neglect that. I know oftentimes... You know, I have to intentionally hit the pause button to reflect on this, to spend time in prayer. I have to literally take a deep breath. Stop whatever I'm doing and pray. Like I have to literally do that. And it's so easy to think that you can do things on your own. It's so easy to think that you can solve your problems. It's so easy to think that you can take care of the issue in your own strength. We need to remember The Lord. And one of the ways we remember the Lord is through prayer. Here's the second way we remember the Lord in your notes is this. Let go of your idols. Let go of your idols. It says this in verse 8. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. You see, guys, there's so, there's so often there are, there are things that we hold on to in our lives that contribute or cause us to forget the Lord. And many times, a lot of these things aren't even bad things. But if we take good things and make them God things, then they become idols. Let me say that one more time. When we take good things and make them God things, they become idols in our lives. And idols are anything that we, anything or anyone that we place before God. Anything that takes the place of God in your life is an idol. For example, money is not a bad thing, right? You need money to survive. You need money to eat. You need money to pay rent, to pay bills. But when money takes the place of God, guess what? It becomes an idol. When it becomes all you think about, when it becomes all you pursue, when it affects your decisions, when it affects your morality, it becomes an idol. How about work? Work is not a bad thing. You have to work to make money. In fact, God designed us for work. But when work becomes all-encompassing, when it consumes all your time, when it compromises your relationship with God, it becomes an idol. The same thing with your dreams and your aspirations. We serve a God that gives us the ability to create and to dream and to imagine and to invent. Right? God created us to create. But when your dreams... And when your aspirations take the place of God in your life, it has become an idol. And on and on it goes. I can talk about everything in life that has the potential. Every good thing has the potential of becoming a God thing in your life. And when it becomes a God thing, it becomes an idol. And that's a bad thing. So what do you do? What do you do if there's things in your life that have taken the place of God? Be it work, be it money, be it relationships, whatever it is. What do you do? Examine your life. Examine your life. Take a moment to really think, is there anything in your life that has become an idol? Remember the Lord and let go of those idols. Jonah continues in his prayer in verse 9. He says this, 
But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. I love this part. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Here's the last thing you do. When you find yourself at the end of your rope, right? what do you do to remember the Lord? What do you do when you find yourself there? Number three is this. Give thanks through it all. Amen. Give thanks through it all. This is the last thing we read from the passage today is that we want to give thanks to God throughout it all. And this is arguably one of the most difficult things to do. It is very difficult to keep a grateful attitude in spite of the circumstances that we find ourselves. But notice what Jonah says here. Maybe you want to circle it or underline it in your notes. He says, I will sacrifice to you. Meaning that this will not be easy. It will cost you something. It will take some work. But you know what? I will give you thanks anyway, God. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But you know what? I'm going to give you thanks anyway. Not simply because of what you can do for me. Not just when things are great. But even now, God, in the middle of my hardship, in the middle of my difficulty, I will give you a shout of praise and thanksgiving. But this takes a major shift in your thinking. This takes major sacrifice. But if you open your eyes, you might just be able to see pictures of God's grace and many reasons to be thankful for, even in your current situation. So answer this question. What are things that you could be thankful for, even in the middle of your current situation? What are things that you can thank God for, even in the middle of your present hardship? Now, here's what you need to do. Maybe you need to take some time this week, grab a pen and a paper, go to a coffee shop or at home, sit down in a quiet place and nobody's bothering you. And with that pen and paper, write down. Make a list of things that you can be grateful to God for. Even though you're going through hardship and you're experiencing difficulty in your life right now, what are some things that you can be thankful for in the middle of your current situation? And that might be a good exercise for you this week. Sit down with a pen and paper, write down. What can I be thankful for? Oh man, my coworkers have been giving me a hard time, but you know what? I do have a job. That's right, amen. And uh, and and the boss has been writing me, giving me a hard time, but you know what? Uh, man, I have a stable situation right now, thank God. You know, make a list, write down the things that you can be grateful for in spite of your difficulty. And if you can't think of anything, then ask God to reveal it to you. Ask Him to bring it to memory. God will hear your prayer and He will bring something to mind. And He will bring it to memory. Or ask someone to help you. Be open and honest with someone. Ask them to pray for and with you and to help you think of what are some of those glimpses of God's grace that you can be thankful for. Jonah is at the bottom of the ocean, at the bottom of a great fish's belly, saying that he will sacrifice and give thanks to God. Jonah doesn't know how he's getting out of this situation, guys. He hasn't read the rest of chapter 2, right? He's still living it, right? He doesn't know how he's going to get out of it, but he gives thanks to God anyway. You see, this whole situation gives us pictures of God's grace. Have you guys seen it? Have you guys seen pictures of God's grace throughout this whole situation? Jonah, in his rebellion, he ran away from God, but God relentlessly pursues him anyway. Then Jonah says that it would be better for him to die than to obey God. And he's thrown into the ocean and he nearly drowns. But God rescues him by appointing the great fish to swallow him. The fish kept Jonah from dying. In the belly of Sheol, 
in the, in the belly of this most deepest, darkest moment of his life, Jonah's given another opportunity. He's given an opportunity to cry out to God and to repent. And in that, you see another picture of God's grace. Because now Jonah can repent of his rebellion. And he turns his face and his life back to God. Lastly, the last verse says that the fish vomits him onto the coast of Nineveh to give him another chance to fulfill God's calling and purpose. He didn't even have to walk there, guys. He had like a a one-way trip there. He, He delivered him there. Another picture of God's grace. Another picture of God's grace. Some may argue that he came out from the front and not the back. And that's another picture of God's grace, right? You got to come out one way. But, you know, this is exactly what the gospel is. The gospel is good news for rebellious and sinful people like Jonah, like you, and like me. It's an opportunity to accept God's grace. Like Jonah, we were helpless and drowning in our sin. And like Jonah, we were rebellious and running away from God. But as Jonah experiences God's saving grace, we too experience God's saving grace through Jesus. And like God sent a fish to swallow Jonah to save him from death, God sends Jesus to swallow God's wrath for our sin. And as Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days, Jesus was in the belly of the grave for three days. But on the third day, God victoriously, Jesus rose from the grave, conquering Satan's sin and death. And sin's grasp no longer had its grip on me. For those who put their faith in Jesus, guess what? We are forgiven. We are covered by God's grace. We are a part of the family of God. And today, you have an opportunity today. Today, you have an opportunity to accept that God's grace. You have an opportunity, like Jonah had the opportunity in the belly of the fish, to repent, to turn from your sin, to turn from your rebellion, and to be welcomed into the family of God. And all you have to do, the Bible says, is put your faith in Christ. Not in yourself, not in your works, not in how many times a day you pray, not in how much scripture you memorize, not in your church attendance, to put your faith in Christ. Look at the last part of verse 9. Why don't we read that last part because it's so powerful. The last part of verse 9 says salvation. You guys ready? Read it. Ready? Go. Salvation, salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation is here. And His name is Jesus. And if you're here today and you haven't made that decision to follow Christ, to follow Jesus, then I want to encourage you to do so. Here's the way we do it here at Swerve. Um, Stephen was just talking about the connection cards. If everybody would just take out a moment to take that out right now. On the back of that connection card, there's a place to check off. Make Jesus Lord and Savior. And if that's a decision that you want to do today, then I want to encourage you to do that. And at the end of the service, uh, Stephen will give you an opportunity to turn those connection cards in. And we want to celebrate with you and follow up with you during the week. We want to put a Bible in your hand if you need one. And we want to encourage you in your walk with Christ. We want to be your church family that, that celebrates with you and that helps you take your next steps. And so if that's you, check that off today. Make Jesus Lord and Savior today. Salvation is here and His name is Jesus. Salvation is of the Lord. Do you guys pray with me? God, I, I thank you that you are a God that raises the dead to life. 
while we were helpless and hopeless, you entered into our spiritual grave and raised us to life in Christ. Like we sang that song today, God. You brought us out of that grave. You raised dead things to life. And Lord, how quick are we to forget you and pursue the foolish things of this world? This is why we pray to you now, Lord. We cast our idols down. And we ask that you be in first place. That you be above all else in our lives. And God, we give you praise and thank and thank you through it all. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, we give you thanks through it all. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for your many blessings. Help us bring to mind and remember and see all the glimpses of your grace. Help us cultivate a worshipful and grateful attitude in all things. Thank you, Lord, that salvation belongs to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God good? God is good. And I was just thinking if they um, opened up